know we're not a sports podcast, but uh, I had a couple observations over the weekend. Did you watch any of the playoff games? I did, yeah. Quite, quite a few of them. There's a couple that I just yeah. passed on, but... Yeah. I uh, and and my observations aren't really sports related. They're more. I mean, they happen in the games, but uh-huh. it's more of more funny, I guess. Did you see your boy, Mike McDaniel, <laughs> taking the vape? Did you so, see that? <laughs> so I wa- I probably watched three quarters of that game, and I did not see that. Yeah, I didn't see it live either. I watched part but of. But apparently, <laughs> yeah. people are losing their minds, right? He was wearing he was wearing black gloves, and he put something black up to his mouth, and then tried to kind of hide it, and uh-huh. then. That just seems unbelievable to me that you would vape in the middle of a you're a head football coach. I don't know, man. I like I've I've been blown away at where people will vape. <laughs> like it's crazy to me. Where was I? Oh, he's I, your boy though. Like what, is that something he would do? It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. It, I don't know if I I mean, I, vaping wasn't around when he was my coach, so I don't I don't know he if he does. He seems like or not. a he belongs in the tech industry. I mean, or he's like the X Games or something. Like he's not a. Yeah. He doesn't seem like a football like coach. To like me. the, just the the neurological excellence that he has yeah. is crazy. Seems very sharp. Oh my gosh! Like like so smart. Like the it sometimes it's hard to have a conversation. You know those people yeah. like the Elon Musk type. Yeah. He's not awkward. Like the cool thing about Mike is he's like super relatable, super funny. Like you know easy to be around, but like. Sometimes he just like operates at a t- completely different yeah. level. He's, he's smarter than you. And yes, hundred percent. You know that when you're talking to yeah. him. Yeah, and so he that, sarcastically will tell you that, but you're like, it's an endearing thing. Like, yeah. oh, that's that's really funny. You're but, right. I am an idiot. What, what didn't help him was I don't know if you watched the end of the game. They were caught. They were breaking the huddle Bro. and trying to snap the ball with like two seconds. Yeah. Left on the so clock. so I've never I, seen that. Before. I'm not a hundred percent sure that it was coaching like delivering the plays calling the plays well you know he took over play calling at yeah the, end of the game which yeah. he doesn't normally do. right but if you watch the camera he was done giving the play call with like 20 seconds left on the play clock yeah which is typically that's that's fine and then it takes about five seconds rattle it off break the huddle before 15 get up like uh what's the kid's name the quarterback quarterback skylar thompson skylar thompson he was in the huddle a long time yeah like I don't know if he just struggled getting the play out or what, but like I remember, and I was like screaming at the screen because like <laughs> I root for Mike, right? Yeah. And, I, and and like I also really want the Bills just because of the season they had, right. a handful of guys on the team that I know, um, I'm rooting for them too. But like I'm screaming at it, like call the play, like I'm sitting on the edge of the table, my kids are all around, I'm like call the play, call. It. Like you could just tell though there was a disconnect between play going in and then it actually being distributed to the yeah. team in the huddle and then breaking it, and there was just and you. The reason that there's the inexperience, right, is because you could tell his demeanor. Even when he'd get up to the line, there wasn't urgency. Right. Like, there wasn't urgency. Like, if you got the play late, like, you would see him, like, get it. Like, give me the play. Give it. Like, and there's times that he's going like this, like, cupping his ears because it was super loud, getting the play, and he'd walk in, and there's plenty of time to get the the call. And then, and I know Mike's plays, like, his terminology is not lengthy. Right, he runs a Shanahan type offense. It's a West Coast like West Coast can typically be really long calling plays, but Mike's is a very simplified simplified version. So it's not like it's you know this this fifteen second play where mm-hmm. you're telling every single person on offense what to do. 
Uh, so I just think it ultimately it showed inexperience. I mean, it's it's a bummer that you had to ride with your number three guy yeah. in a playoff game against arguably the best team in the NFL. Yeah, it's just it's just funny if he was vaping, dude. That's not. A I good don't look. think that that's. <laughs> if you're at a point in your life where you're vaping as a head coach on the sideline, you can't spend three hours without the vape. You. But what I'm saying though is. A couple hits on the vape is not going to alter your mind enough to <laughs> yeah. slow you down. Yeah. yeah. Because if you're willing to just vape on the sidelines, you've been doing it a yeah. while. Yeah, you're an interesting cat. Yeah. Another one was the Jaguars. And and by the way, if you're not a football fan at all, just skip forward about three minutes. Yeah. Let, let us just entertain let ourselves Let us get here. this out. <laughs> uh, Jaguars and Chargers. Uh-huh. Obviously an unbelievable comeback. Gosh, yeah. I turned it off mid Really, end of first quarter, like it was already it was already Same. that out of hand. Same. And then I checked ESPN later in the game, and I saw thirty to twenty. I turned back on and saw the yeah. saw the big comeback. But my observation was the announcers. Did you did you listen to the game? It was Al Michaels and Tony Dungy. Just like the most the monotone. Mo- <laughs> it was, it's like we were watching chess. Yes. It was the most boring. Yeah. These guys are. One of the greatest playoff comebacks of all time, yeah. and the Jaguars win. Like it was the most yeah. <laughs> boring yeah. call. And I have I have a ton, I've ever heard on I a football have a ton game. of respect for Tony Dungy. Right, he's uh, it, arguably one of the better leaders our country has seen. Right, he just he's a motivator of, of men. His demeanor, he's got just you know his his book Quiet Strength mm-hmm. um, is an incredible book, um, and. And I just I respect him a ton. A lot of coaches have come from his coaching tree. Um, you know, he obviously came from like the Gruden and, and all that. But uh, I just <laughs> you put two people, Al Michaels, who's tired, right? He's yeah. just been doing it for so long. He's tired. <laughs> He's not bad. He just needs a, a he needs higher the energy. Opposite, you know, yeah. the, the he, Romos, yeah. the Greg Olsons, yeah. you know, the the Troy Aikmans, the yeah. Collinsworth, like yeah. the guys that like bring energy to it. But if you if you have someone that is just very stoic and, and monotone like yeah. Coach Dungy, it was a golf. It's just it was, not. It was a golf match. That's a producer. <laughs> that's a producer's problem. Yeah. That's yeah. not. Well, they they were they, in a tough spot because they had two games this weekend, so they yeah, had to tired. Their, yeah, tired. Right. But like, but regardless, like, <laughs> there's got to be somebody yeah, that's got somebody. some juice. <laughs> was, there's got to be somebody that's got some juice. It was so funny though because every play was just like the most exciting play in playoff history. And then then you got these two (laughs) dudes calling a funeral. It was so funny. And then my third observation, uh, this wasn't playoff related, but did you see Kingsbury, what he did, Cliff Kingsbury? No. He, uh, you know, he got fired last week. Yeah, yeah, Bought a one-way ticket to Thailand. Good for him. Did you see that? (laughs) Oh, wait. Is that a, hold on. It's yeah. not a joke. He really did. Did he really? Yeah, He's he just legitimately like, I'm did. Just gonna go, yeah. I'm going to go. Well, they, they owe him the rest of the money on this. I guess all NFL. Fully guaranteed. Coaches', coaches contracts, contracts are fully, fully guaranteed. guaranteed. So they still owe him like $30 million. So he doesn't have to coach, and he's made $30 million. And supposedly he bought a one-way ticket to Thailand. And to me, that's that screams uh, there's a chick involved somehow, some way. You don't just go to Thailand for nothing. There, there's got to be a, a female involved, in my opinion. Uh, I don't know, man. It depends. He so if you if you watched him through the season, right? You could he looked exhausted. Yeah. Well, he, he's dealing with a bunch of <laughs> yeah dudes who are yeah almost unmanageable. And he he usually is young, energetic, and he looked yeah, he old did. and exhausted. He really like did. he aged probably ten years this season. And so it may just have been one of those things where he was like, I literally just need to get away. But why need, Thailand? 
There's got to be a beautiful. girl involved. No. It, it could be beautiful, but there's probably a beautiful woman, too. I mean, you got to think, like, the culture there is is slower. It's relaxing. It's beautiful. It's tropical. Yeah. Like, there's so many really, like, some, of the, some people that I have never been there, but I've got friends that have backpacked that whole area, like, you know, from, you know, like, the whole Indonesia area all the way down into, like, New Zealand. And, they're like, Thailand is by far the best. Oh, place. I don't doubt it. I don't know. I just, my, my take is that there's a. Like Somehow get away from a, a female, or a female no, was like, "No, we're yeah, going." Yeah, and no, there is a female there that he's he's wanting to see, or going uh, that he wants to see. I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, it. it could I don't be know. My, he's I don't just know going to get away, or maybe he's just getting, trying to get away from. Yeah, that's too. Because he's been known to have some female drama yeah. here in the states. Yeah, for so. sure. For sure. Uh, okay, well, that's enough of our football talk. That wasn't really it wasn't football related. Wasn't real related. football talk. <laughs> <laughs> it's gossip. Uh, I saw a couple of articles that do have to do with a lot of the things we've been talking about lately. I mm-hmm. uh, saw a couple articles that I wanted to get your take on. Uh, but before we do that, mm-hmm. we do want to thank our partners. Yeah, buddy. Um, by the time this airs, the game will have been over, but hopefully the Cowboys won, uh-huh. and you'll get the opportunity next week to go to the greatest place in the world to watch playoff football, which is Choctaw Casinos and Resort. Uh, Cowboys got a big day in tonight, which is Monday, the day we're recording this. Again, when you're hearing this, the result will have already been at hand, but even the Cowboys aren't playing. Yeah. Get yourself up to Choctaw Casinos and Resort if you're a football fan at all. Even if you're not yeah, a football fan, football there's, in general. there's a hundred million other yeah. things to do up there. Great restaurants, tons of uh, the casino type things. Yeah. Uh, but again, uh, the greatest sports watching. I had, had another client possibly. tell me that he and his wife just, hey, we needed a break and we went up to Choctaw. Yep, and I actually I needed some things from him, some like responses, and he's like, "Hey, man, I'm at Choctaw. Like, I'll get, back to, I'll get back to you when I'm done." <laughs> it's it literally is like yeah. it, it's it's the opportunity really just to unplug. That's right, and and get pampered and just have some fun. Mm-hmm. And so I know my client came back, new person, and he was ready to go. Yep, and the two taglines that we uh, are officially unofficial from our perspective. Mm-hmm. If you're in the DFW area, it's a short drive up 75. Yep. And also, tell me another entertainment venue that pays you to be there. Yeah. Or that you could walk away with more money than you showed up with. And that's Choctaw Casinos and Resorts. So, get yourself up there. And then also, our partners, Sleep Number. Uh, we will be up there with Sleep Number at the Super Bowl mm-hmm. in Phoenix. Um, again, we talked about this last week. Darren's up for the Hall of Fame announcement. He'll know the week before we go to the Super Bowl if he made it or not. If he was inducted or not. And then they've got this whole huge week planned if he did. Um, but, yeah, sleep number, we, we say it all the time, it, it'll spoil you yeah. in the best way possible. Yep. You're never going to sleep the same again uh, anytime you do not stay in your own sleep number bed. So I uh, appreciate sleep number and yes. looking forward to uh, another great Super Bowl with sleep number. Okay. Our uh, two, two, uh, two headlines, two uh, articles that I picked out. And I, I tried to pick out the highlights and, and just so I'm not sitting here reading for 10 minutes on a whole article, but – uh, these were these were some of the highlights from the article. First article from the New York Times. Just so everybody out there thinking that we're just ultra conservative, we only watch Fox News. We we like to dabble in all the, the news resources. So Give yourself. <laughs> New York Times. Three quarters of teenagers have seen online pornography by age seventeen. By age seventeen. By age seventeen. Three-quarters of teenagers have viewed pornography online by the age of 17, with the average age of first exposure at age 12, according to the report by Common Sense Media, a nonprofit child advocacy group. Teenagers are seeing the photos and videos on their smartphones, on their school devices, and across social media. 
pornography sites, and streaming sites, it said. 41% of teenagers say, uh, of the ones polled, uh, obviously they took a sample, it's not like they <laughs> polled every 17-year-old in the country, but of the, of the teenagers polled, 41% of the teenagers say they had seen images of nudity or sexual acts online during the school day, which was interesting to me. Hmm. More than half said they felt guilty or ashamed after watching porn. At the same time, I thought this was interesting, 45% said the pornography provided helpful information about sex. LGBTQ teenagers in particular said it helped them discover more about their sexuality. I thought that was an interesting note. Uh, fewer than half said they discussed pornography with a trusted adult. Of those who did, the conversation, quote, encouraged them to think about ways to explore sex or sexuality other than porn, end quote, according to the report. Teenagers who intentionally sought pornography, so these are not the ones who accidentally saw it. These yeah. are the ones who actually were looking for it. Said their top sources were sources were sites like Pornhub and YouPorn, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, Reddit, and other social media sites rank second as sources for pornography. So um, all of which, by the way, all those sites claim that they have bans on porn right. slash ex ex explicit content. Yeah. Uh, and then the last two lines are two, a couple of quotes from uh, some experts. Quote, pornography is a huge part of the lives of children who have digital access like never before. And we need to have a national conversation about it, end quote, said Jim Steyer, president of Common Sense Media. And then, quote, this generation of parents are dealing with things that no other generation has had to deal with. The amount of access to information in the hands of these kids, uh, said Shelly Veramontes, superintendent of the Campbell Union School District near San Jose, California. What you got on that? It's a lot, man. It's a lot to digest. Uh, first and foremost, so my daughter's 11, fifth grade, and as much as I want to be shocked about those numbers, about kids first accessing that, um, what I'm seeing in, in a small conservative town in Texas, mm -hmm. I'm still seeing kids with free reign on their phone, um, very little oversight from parents, and then the conversations that I'm hearing some of these young boys say and direct comments towards young girls, it like, this does not surprise me. It frustrates me more, uh, especially just being a, a father of a, of a young girl. And I've got two boys that um, I'm going to do everything that I can to make sure that my boys are not only not not the ones that um, idolize, materialize, and degrade other girls, but also ones that are brave enough to stand up against the other boys that do that. Um, there's a there's a group here, and we've we've interviewed um, you know we've interviewed them, Matt Osborne, New Friends, New Life, and then there's a then there's a um, uh, organization underneath that called the Men's Advocacy Group, um, and one of the things that that we that we talk about, right? It's an anti-trafficking organization, but what leads to trafficking, right? At least demand drives it because a majority of consumers are males. Okay, but where does where does the demand come from? Someone that's going to say, "Hey, I'm going to I'm going to pay for sex." That comes from being unfulfilled or having desires that exceed 
what you're what you're physically receiving, whether it's in a marriage or with a single, whatever, right? And where does it go, right? It starts, it starts at an early age. It starts at 12, 13, 14, 15, and how young men think of other girls. You um you make these young girls um, into um, just material possessions. Like they belong, like I see how my dad acts. I see what my dad watches. I see all these things, how, how young boys. So now they're making comments to other boys because it's cool to say this or to think this or to, and what it does is it reinforces. So now you're now like these 11 year old boys are saying things to my daughter they don't even know fully what it is, but they're saying things because the examples of the things that they've seen. Well, that snowballs until, you know, um, sexualizing other girls, and that's that's their value, right? Talking about them, talking bad about them, um, you know, poking fun at it, and then it goes into now sexual abuse, forcing themselves on it because they think that that's normal, and then it goes into sexual addiction. And then it leads into prostitution, right? So it starts at a very young age in this men's advocacy group. It starts there. Like it starts talking to our youth and saying, like, listen, like we don't talk to or about girls that way. Like they are humans. Like they are, they are not your object. You're, you are not to objectify them. That's not who they are. Like that is not our job. That's not what God created us to do is just to objectify women. Like they're there to give us what we need and that's it. That's not it. But our youth through media, through parenting, through all those things are more and more objectifying it. So now it's like, okay, now I could just hop on my phone and watch these girls who many of the girls in the porn industry are come from abuse, come from broken homes. And that's kind of, that's where they've gone mm-hmm. because that's their only outlet or they've been forced. They were forced at an early age into something that then led them that way. And I'm not, not saying every girl that's, that's in pornography has been trafficked, but there, there's a high probability that there was something, whether it was sexual abuse, whether it was absentee father, whether it was, um, uh, neglect, whatever, whatever it was led them to that path. And it's reinforcing that we're just objectifying women and it starts early. Yeah. And these stats reinforce the fact that we as men need to do a better job influencing our youth to respect women the way that they deserve to be respected. Yeah. And, and again, I know it's a little bit of a tangent there, but when you talk about this, it just, it terrifies me that my little girls are going to be around boys 40, almost 50% boys in fifth and sixth grade have it pursued watching porn on their phone. Yeah. What do you think? Like, we're jacked up enough as our culture, and we didn't have access to that. Where do you think that that's going to lead? It's a slippery slope. That's the hard thing with this problem is it's such an ingrained, wired into us human desire mm-hmm. for sexual gratification. Yeah. And you're right, you and I growing up, it was harder to access it, and, and, and then for our parents, even harder. So mm-hmm. I can be scrolling through Instagram, not even looking for anything, and well, you're going to see... I've got, I've got a story about that. And you're going to see content that's not 
full on pornography, but as as close as you can get. So I was literally we'd finished dinner, just cleaned up, and I had sat down. And I very rarely do this, but I was I was I was on Instagram for some. There was a re- and I was just scrolling through a couple pictures. Well, Rocco, my six year old, comes and sits on my lap, and I'm just I'm like slowly scrolling through. I don't follow anybody that don't like, go through the reels because it'll pop up. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Quick. Yeah. Well, and and I like again. I, if I'm either good friends with you or it's like a ranch or it's like fitness, mm-hmm. like that's really it. Like the those are the only things. Fitness is what will get you. Agreed. Yep. Agreed. Now it's more geared towards Croft, but same. Sure. But there's, there's a friend of ours. We, we knew from back home who posted just like some maternity pictures and you know how like those are, right? Like a lot of times like, you know, showing your belly or they'll like literally not wear any clothes, yep. but like I'm scrolling through and he literally catches it and I see it and I'm, and I, and I kind of go fast and it's someone that Tiffany and I know and literally goes, Ooh, she naked. Ooh. <laughs> and he like knew, he and like noticed it and he's yeah. six yeah. and he was like suit and he was like super into it. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so Tiffany had walked back in and I was like, Hey, here's what it is. She goes, are you going to talk to him about it? Are you going to explain what that is? And I'm like, no, the no, exact just, conversation. Just sweeping under the rug. This exact conversation. We're, we're not going to pick this back up until he's thirteen yeah. at least. <laughs> we're denying it. Never it happened. Ignore it. This is not. Nah. Uh-uh. But uh, and then it was like, all right. Now we sat down and we talked about it and was like, hey, here's what it, here's what this was. Mm-hmm. You know, it was you know a picture and like you know mommy has maternity pictures, but like mommy was wearing clothes. She just chose not to. Like it's not okay to look at other girls with their clothes off. Like that's just, that's not okay. And by the end of it, he understood. And again, another example following up from our episodes a couple weeks ago is like, it's good to have those conversations, yeah. right? And those are opportunities. And I would have ran from it, mm-hmm. but thank God my wife was uh, loves living in the awkward space more than I do. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of different directions we could we could go down where my mind goes. I guess the first one I'll attack is the line that says. At the same time, 45%, so almost half, said the pornography provided helpful information about sex. Yeah. To me, that, that goes to exactly what you're saying, which is t- that tells me not enough parents are having these conversations early enough. Mm-hmm. And if these kids, they're going to be curious, mm-hmm. and if you're not going to provide them answers, they're going to go find it wherever they can. Yeah, Whether and, they're looking <laughs> for it or not, they're, yeah. they're gonna, somebody's going to school them up. That's right. Whether it's their friends at school, and I think you said this two or three weeks ago. You said um, you want to make sure you're the one who's teaching yes. these lessons, yeah. not not learning secondhand. Yeah. So you can avoid it. You can pretend like it's not the, the you know, like it doesn't exist, mm-hmm. but they're going to find it somewhere. Yeah. And, and they're probably going to look for it anyway, even if you do have conversations, because we're, again, that's just questions a, and curiosity. It's just, yeah, it's just a normal yeah, desire. But the, the thing that's is, that's what is, stuck out to me. Is, is that, that a source, right? That's like, that's like saying, I'm going to go to Hollywood to learn about history. Yeah. Like, yeah, you, you get the overall view of it, but, like, Hollywood is creating it to be entertaining, and that's what it is. Yep. And so, and I can't imagine that – I'm sorry. I've been, I may cross the line here, but I can't imagine that in the video they're like, all right, um, go ahead, please uh, insert uh, your penis into my vagina. Um, just make sure that my cervix is still intact. I mean, you know what I mean? They're not talking through it the right way. Like, so, so what do you mean you're learning? It was helpful information to learn at 13, at 13, you're not mature enough, nor responsible enough to make a decision in to go have sexual intercourse 
because there are consequences. We had this conversation with my kids this weekend, not about this, but like consequences to decisions and actions. And, and so what are you learning exactly? Well, to me, to to be fair, it's probably just a crafty. It's a kid answering. Yeah. It's a kid answering a survey. I was just learning. I was oh just, yeah, I was yeah. It was super to... helpful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of behind the scenes nuance to this, but yeah, that to me that was what stuck out was that line about what? it's going to be imperative for us. Yeah. Again, before we think that they're uh-huh. ready to have these, I don't remember. And again, my parents were unbelievable parents. I don't remember specific conversations, at least not that many regarding porn again it's probably because the way they grew up it was so hard to access yeah and when we were growing up it was still somewhat difficult the problem is we don't have that you and i don't have that luxury they're Mm -hmm. gonna even if they're just on instagram tiktok they're gonna see it Mm -hmm. maybe not full-on nudity but they're gonna see as close as you can get so we don't have the luxury of just never addressing this yeah we're gonna have to address this agree i I guess my question for you is and you have a, a bit of a unique background because of your experience with the human trafficking organization what do you say to people who say it's not that big of a deal because most people don't think porn's that big of a deal yeah and it's just like what do you quit being such a tight wad like what, yeah. what what's wrong what's wrong with porn it's not that big of a deal. it's just it's just online i'm getting what i'm done and i'm on to the next like it's not that big of a deal mm-hmm. from your perspective and your experience and uh-huh. what you know because again it's different than most different than i know why is why is porn such a big deal? Yeah, so a handful of reasons, but number one is the number one driver for human trafficking is porn. Like that is the number one reason because it is it becomes an addiction, and it, and it alters the way chemically in your mind what your expectation for um, intimate relations should be, right? And again, it's unrealistic. It's not it's not real life. And so your expectations, so your expectations change. Maybe you're in a relationship. Those expectations now are, are projected onto your significant other. And if those aren't being met because of the addiction, you're going to go seek out that fulfillment, right? So now you're going to go outside of that relationship to something else. And I can't tell you, even in DFW in DFW, and we've talked about this is, was rated the number one, one most unfaithful city in the United States is Texas, you know, morals and standards and all those things. But sexual addiction is rampant and the driver for that is porn. So that's like saying, yeah, yeah, yeah." I mean, like, you know, smoking cracks, not, I mean, it's not that big of a deal. Like you just smoke it, you get high and you're done. You go on to the next day. No, it changes your, it changes your brain chemically. And I'll, we can pull up some sources inside it. And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that right this moment, but it changes you. And then you go seek it and sexual addiction ruins lives. Like, that's why they have rehab for sex addicts. Like, if it wasn't a problem, there wouldn't be rehab to rehabilitate you from that addiction. So that's number one. And then two is the driver. So think about this is you start out just basic porn, whatever, right? Then, okay, now I'm bored with that. Now I go to, you know, the next level. And then I go to the next level. And then I go to the next level. Next thing I know is... Now I'm, I'm on something where, and this is a big cyber sex trafficking is one of the biggest things like right now in the human trafficking world is you don't have to physically traffic girls across borders or take them and then put them into a brothel or that's, that is not how, um, that is not how technology has driven the industry. The, The industry now is 
unfortunately, parents will sell or kids are kidnapped, sell their kids to traffickers. They'll put them in a tiny room and then they'll film them. And Americans are the number one consumers of pornography globally. Okay. So the demand comes from the United States. Now you uh, mentioned Philippines, right? And this is a huge problem there is these girls are being enslaved into these homes, forced to do sexual acts on camera while some guy in Dallas, Texas, or Atlanta, Georgia, or Bakersfield, California, are paying to have some things done to this little girl. And again, it escalates. It starts, okay, you know, let's just call them adults, but typically at that age, adults are can at least fight back. Now we're talking about like 12-year-old girls we just went. We just were at a conference where someone spoke that five, six, seven, eight-year-old girls are forced to do this. Mm-hmm. So when you say that porn's not a big deal, what is it leading to? Like, is your addiction? Are you okay with your addiction and demand contributing to a five-year-old girl that was stolen from her parents or sold by her parents mm-hmm. to being sexually abused on camera to fulfill to satisfy what you need? So. No, no. Like porn is a big yeah. deal. Yeah. And, and not and to mention, not to mention porn destroys marriages, mm-hmm. destroys. Yep. It absolutely destroys. And they're like, oh, it's not cheating. It is cheating. Like you are literally visually looking at someone else. And like, I have sympathy that there's, there, there are problems and, and, and guys had gotten into it or like, I, I understand that. But when you dismiss it as not a big deal, that's not accurate. It's a yeah. big deal. Yeah, that that book that we went through, The Molecule of More, talks a, a couple of things that you're just saying. Number one, how I forget the term, I forget the scientific term, but however far away removed you are from a problem, the less you see it as being a big deal. So yeah. to your point, are you okay with your need of being fulfilled of pornography leading to a five-year-old mm-hmm. 9.9% time? People out of 10 would say, no, I'm not. Yeah, the problem is you, we can't connect in our minds. But you're going online and funding an right, industry that right. supports that. It, it would be, if that was in our face, if, yeah. we, if we knew more of that, yeah. I think that would help. Look at the Balenciaga deal. Right. Right? They completely inappropriate ad campaign. Completely inappropriate. Like, we make a big deal, huge deal about that where we're burning $15,000 purses. But, like, nobody's saying anything about the porn industry that are enslaving four, five, six-year-old boys and girls. Mm-hmm. So, like, where's the outrage for that? It just needs to be in our face more. It because does, right. y- you've made this point in this, the fact that how many people are being trafficked here in our here in our city yeah. that we just have no idea, we don't pay attention to. So the further away from the problem you are removed, the less of a deal that you see it as being. Mm-hmm. So that's one aspect from that book. The other aspect is the need for more. You go online, you see porn for the first time as a 12-year-old. That's exciting. I've never seen this before. This is, this is awesome. I want some more of that. So you keep fulfilling that need. And then eventually it gets old. Eventually it's like, well, now what's the next level? Yeah. And then you start getting on, and to your point, maybe it starts as an online, you know, completely removed addiction that turns into a physical encounter yeah. with somebody who's being trafficked right. because of that need, that dopamine rush of need. I need more. I need more. Eventually... Just looking at a naked girl online is not going to be enough for you. Yes. If you continue on with that addiction. That's just, that's just how it works. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be enough. You're going to seek 
the next more intense Mm -hmm. thing to fulfill that addiction. Mm -hmm. Just like with drugs, you're always going to need a harder drug to fill, to, to get the same high. Yep. So those are the two observations. And, and I think you're right. It's, Again, part of me and, and most people, because they're so far removed, they haven't had experiences you have, just don't see it as that being that big of a deal. So I think that's what we're competing with. Yeah. The other thing we're competing with, with more access is, and I don't know backgrounds, but OnlyFans, for instance, mm-hmm. is now allowing regular people to open up an account and make a ludicrous amount of money by showing off their body mm-hmm. online. So before it was, you had to become a porn star and go to Hollywood and make it big. Now it's if I have a webcam at home, I can create is, an account again, and start making money. Normalizing it is normalized. So maybe yeah. I don't have this crazy, you know, bad upbringing, mm-hmm. but I want to make ten grand a month off yeah. of just showing off my body. So that's yeah. another thing we're competing with. Yeah. Is I think OnlyFans last year, twenty twenty two was a four billion dollar company in revenue. They did four billion in revenue last year or two years ago. So the demand is that yeah. Obviously, the demand is at an all-time high right now because there's just so many ways. And I, and again, I go back to, I don't even have to go to OnlyFans. I don't have to go to Pornhub. I can go to Instagram. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be as hardcore, yeah. But it's going to give me, and without even looking for it. Again, yeah. I follow a lot of fitness accounts, and fitness is hand in hand with not showing off a lot of, or yeah. is showing showing off a lot of your body. Yeah. And so again, my my feed is just full of that type of stuff mm-hmm. without even going out and typing anything in and seeking it. Yeah. And so you think about your 13-year-old kid, and what what is it saying here? A lot of the, uh, a lot of them were accessing it at school. At school, yeah. So it used to be this private thing. I'm embarrassed. I, I got to do this at home when nobody's watching. Now it's you can pull it up on your iPad at school in the middle of science class. So. Again, I don't. I mean, we don't have to spend too much time. There's another article. Yeah, and that's to, a but. whole other. That's a whole other <laughs> technology conversation too, right? Like, even as t- even teachers um, are utilizing technology to simplify and lessen their job yeah. to teach. Right? So, oh, iPad day, yeah. and we're gonna. It's like I do it as a parent sometimes. Yeah, I need a break. Here, here's the iPad. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And my t- three year old knows mm-hmm. how to navigate YouTube yeah. by himself. Does, which is a horrible t- which place. Which is wild because he can't type anything. Can't type can't anything. Can't put words can't together. Read, but, but he knows like, how to navigate. Yeah, and he'll, yeah. who knows where he'll end up if I'm not watching or paying attention. Right. And so, again, I guess I guess the take home for me after reading this article is just reinforcing the point. I'm going to have to have these. I'm, I can't rely on daddy government to make some sort of mandate. I've got to take it under me as a parent to have these discussions with my kids. Am I going to be able to eradicate it 100%? Probably not because he's. Fi- I'm fighting <laughs> human, yeah. you know, human nature. Yeah. However, I can have these conversations about a healthy approach. Well, and when they come into that scenario, you can have those conversations so that they're not surprised, right? Right. So that they're not, um, you know, they're not presented a situation that this is new. This is exciting. I don't know anything about this, but like my, I haven't talked to my parents about it, so I'm going to dig into it. Right. At least you can equip them to handle the situation in a way that ultimately doesn't harm themselves or anybody else in the long run. Yeah. Um, that doesn't like give them that taste because like, they like heroin, right? It's like, Ooh, you got a taste. Mm-hmm. Once you get a taste, you're hooked. Like you do it once and you are addicted to it. Yeah. Right. And so it's, it's kind of the same thing in my opinion. Right, you get a little taste. Oh, it's exciting. It's it's new. It's I mean, it's pleasurable. It's all these things, 
And now it's, it's that slippery slope that leads into something else. So again, technology, don't just le- let technology raise your kids. And we've had this, we talked about it a bunch, but like, Make sure, too, that you're involved in, in what's going on at your kid's school. Because like you said, the conversations that have happened, the access to technology and the Internet and all that at school. And then, three, what are the other kids saying? Talk to your kids. Understand what's going on there so that they are equipped to handle those situations when you are not there. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, again, it, it also goes back to other lessons you're teaching your kid. Like we talked about last week. To me, selfishness is a big part of this. Mm-hmm wanting to fulfill a desire and anything goes to get my desire. That's, right. That's a selfish doesn't act. matter who I'm hurting. It doesn't matter who I'm hurting. Like myself, my spouse, my kids, somebody completely across the world. Yep. doesn't yep. matter. So parents, we <laughs> now more than ever, we got to get off the sideline. Uh, we got to be active. We can't just think this isn't going to be a big no. deal or it isn't a big deal. It's, it's, it's getting worse. It's not be- getting better. Because here's, I mean, look, I mean, it's, it's, the industry is gone like the VR thing too is is the, like the next level of it, right? Yeah, and I I've mean, heard it's. I've heard on a podcast a person who experienced it who had to take the goggles off. They're a married person because they said that's how real it felt. They felt it was so real. They were such in that experience. They felt like they were literally cheating on their wife. That's yeah. how real it. Yeah. You're you're surround. You're in a room. Yeah. This person is now coming up to you, looking right at you, talking directly to you. Yeah. And he said, I had to take the goggles off. That's how real it felt. Yeah. I felt like I was there. And you're telling me that going through that experience over and over and over, and then you're out with buddies at a bar or a mm-hmm. restaurant, and you have that opportunity that, like, that's not going to feel normal? Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to normalize that. For That's sure. what I'm saying. Yeah. That's well, what I'm saying. We'll have a, we'll have a marriage conversation here in a few weeks, um, which we'll dive more. In. But yeah, I'm I'm yeah. totally with you that it it can be a relationship killer, yeah. no yeah. doubt. Um, yeah. There's plenty of examples of it. Um, but anyway, so uh, yeah, parents, we we <laughs> we got to be on the heavy. Ball. Look, today's yeah. heavy, but it's important. Yeah. And if you are struggling, I just encourage you. Um, Find, find a safe place, find a safe con- place that you can have a conversation. Um, and if it is something that is, it, it, it consumes you um, because it very quickly does to people, go talk to somebody, um, go, go try to get help. Um, it's a scary, it's shameful talking about it most of the time. I mean, we've normalized it a lot. So, but there, there are places out there that can help. I just, I really, really encourage you to do so because it is bondage. I mean, it is slavery when you are, when you are controlled by your urges and you are controlled by your sexual desires like that is, it's a, it's a scary place to be. Yep. Uh, and then article number two, I originally saw this on Yahoo, but it was actually, or I saw this on Yahoo. It was actually originally from the New York post. It was an opinion piece. And the title is, I can already see your blood boiling when you hear this one. Top school principal hides students' academic awards in the name of, quote, equity. Bro. (laughs) From the article. For years, two administrators at Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology in Virginia have been withholding notifications of national merit awards from the school's families, thus denying students the right to use those awards to boost their college admission prospects and earn scholarships. This episode has emerged, amid, has emerged amid the school district's new strategy of, quote, equal outcomes for every student without exception. 
School administrators, for instance, have implemented an, an, quote, equitable grading policy that eliminates zeros, gives students a grade of 50% just for showing up, and assigns a cryptic code of NTI for assignments not turned in. Principals usually celebrate National Merit Scholars with special breakfasts, award ceremonies, YouTube videos, press conferences, and social media posts. But TJ school officials had decided to withhold announcements of the award. Indeed, it turns out that the principal and Bona, I'm going to butcher this last name, Bona Tadibus, and the director of student services, Brandon Kasatka, those are two hard names, have been, without this, have been withholding this information from families and the public for years, affecting the lives of at least 1,200 students over the principal's tenure of five years. Recognition by National Merit opens the door to millions of dollars in college scholarships and 800 special scholarships for corporate sponsors. Last paragraph. In a recent call, Kosatka admitted that the decision to withhold the information from parents and inf- inform the students in a low-key way was intentional. Quote, we want to recognize students for who they are as individuals, not focus on their achievements, end quote, he told her, claiming that he and the principal didn't want to, quote, hurt the feelings of students who didn't get the award. <laughs> so, uh, before you tell me your real reaction. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Let, so before, before I, uh, sermon this week, Jamin, who was on our show, uh, so we're going through wisdom still, mm-hmm. right? This is this is how much. This is how much the Bible talks about wisdom, um, and then this week was was controlling the tongue, right? Yeah. Like saying things, whatever you say, right? Either reflects wisdom or lack yeah. of wisdom. Yeah. So I've got I've got to <laughs> compose myself before I say something that reflects because <clears throat> because. I want to, I would like to be someone and I strive to be someone that like builds people up and encourages people and, um, and doesn't tear people down. We think differently. Um, look, we think differently. So that's actually a segue to what I was going to ask you. So I think if you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, you know how both of us feel and we're going to, we'll, we'll discuss how we feel about this and, and, and first reactions to it, but I'm going to throw a little wrench in it. Tell me why this principal acted correctly. Argue in favor of doing something like this. So the, the ideology that he has is that we are celebrating the person who you are as opposed to your achievements. I understand that because I struggled with that. I was performance driven, and we've talked about it a bunch. And my value was based on my performance. <clears throat> um, so I understand that. So just put yourself in this principal's position. Mm-hmm. So you're the head of a school. Um, you've got however many students under your your management. Uh-huh. You <coughs> you want everybody to have a great experience. And again, I'm I'm doing a lot of uh, what's the word? Um, I'm uh, I'm I'm inserting myself in I guess in this in this person's mind which obviously I don't know what this person's mind is really like, but I'm just trying to think of how they would think through this. So you're, yeah. you're the head of a school like this. You've got all these kids under your care. You want every single kid to leave your, your high school with a great experience yeah. and feeling like they took away something. So why, 
you know, if that's where I'm coming from, why would I want to withhold? Like what, what, how would I argue in favor of doing something like this? This is kind of a different way to approach yeah, this, it's hard. this topic. It's hard, it's hard to get in One your mind. One thing I, I do want to preface this is I know how the media works. I know it's an incomplete story because we, we aren't talking about all the other things that this principal has done. So just for some doing. context, yeah, this, this person that wrote this article, his child was one of the students there that got – that was not told. So there's some so bias. So they lost out on some yeah. scholarship. So money. there's some bias. Yeah. And and I do believe, without even reading the article myself, just based off what you read, right, there was damage done. Because I, I don't, and I'm just going to preface, I don't think that that um, is ethical. I don't think it's legal to well, hold, they, withhold it. They, they interviewed a, an attorney whose child was also affected by this. And she said, this is flat out stealing. Yeah. You, you took money out of uh, 1,200 yeah. kids' pockets yeah. that could have gotten scholarship. Now, now this, uh, this merit doesn't guarantee it, but it, it's the next step into getting a scholarship. Yeah, I mean, those are the, a National Merit Scholar is a big deal, big deal when it comes to, like, funding for college. Um, it opens up scholarship opportunities like you read. So, yes, withholding that detrimentally impacts these kids, so I, I, I don't think that's right. But back to your question on argue for it um, is, again, I don't know what, what messages if are being told you, these kids. If this was you, if you were the principal and you had this mentality of I want everybody to be but the I same. But I wouldn't, so it's hard. If, if I, <laughs> let's just say this. If I was forced by um, the administration or, like, the school district to do this, like, if this was something that, hey, this has been voted in. This is what we're doing. Make the best of it. Um, it's, yeah, I, I mean, if you're focusing on building these kids up on who they are, what they're created to be, like uh, pouring into their strengths, like reinforcing their value on what they're, what they're doing, um, encouraging through failures, stuff like that. Like, yeah, I, I could understand that. Now, Gosh, I can't even like say that without going back to the other point. Um, That's why I pose this question this way to give you a second yeah. to think. Is because when we read articles like this, the first thing we do is we think immediately what our reaction is. Yeah. What I would love, what I challenge myself to do, and what I would love to start doing is thinking about the opposite. Yeah. And if somebody reads this and like, I love that. Yeah. Great job. Yeah. School. Because there's people out there that think that way, yeah. obviously. Yeah. This is, a, this is an isolated occasion. This has happened all over the place. This has happened in corporations. This has happened in colleges. This has happened in, in K through 12. So let's put our mind, try to put our mind into somebody who thinks this way. Yeah. And why would that? Because ultimately we're all living in the same country together. You and I can have an opinion on this that's probably going to be a lot different than half of the country. Yeah. So if we're all ever going to work together and get to the same place and have healthy disagreement. I think it's just fun to challenge ourselves to think mm -hmm. from the other perspective and why this yeah. is a good thing. And again, like I said, we don't know the full story. We don't know what they're doing. I mean, this attorney, this this writer, it was a good enough school to have their kids go there, yeah. right? So there's there's things that maybe they are doing right that we just don't know. Um, I mean, who knows? Like, what if what if some of these kids it, it became something where it was detrimental to the kids that. We're not getting these, mm -hmm. right? And it was these National Merit Scholars that were holding it above the younger kids, and they were, you know, and it, and it negatively affected 
the other kids. Like we don't know the whole scenario and why they implemented it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's hard to it's hard to say with certainty. Um, it sounds like the school district strategy it says school is a new strategy. Quote equal outcomes for every student without exception. So they've obviously implemented something from a school district perspective. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Of, yeah. We want every student to end up in the same place. We know that America doesn't work that way. Yeah. This is, again, their perspective. We know that not everybody has a fair shake at this thing, and, and there's systemic, you know, issues that we're, that we're going to give. So we, we're going to take control here as a district, and even though the system when they get out of school is not fair and it's rigged and it's, it's against them, we're going to make sure that the system right. is for them. Yeah. So that, to me, I, I understand where they're coming from. Yeah. If they can, they're basically doing what we say that we need to do all the time, which is take it upon ourselves. Yeah. Implement what we believe is true in our homes, and that's how you change ultimately yeah. the community. They just seem to be taking that to the opposite effect, which yeah. is, hey, we see that the systemic whole, you know, we see that America is not a great place for a certain group of people. So how can we level the playing field? Yeah. Well, this is what we can do as a district. Yeah. So again, not that I agree with it, but I certainly understand, or at least I think I understand the mentality and their, their perspective of, we're going to do something about this. Yeah. Yeah, and again, and, and the the mantra is equal outcomes. No, was it equal outcomes? What equal outcomes for no every exceptions. student without exception? So it okay. Equal outcomes. What is again? My gut reaction is that's like that is the most ignorant thing that you could ever say. Like, not everybody can have the same outcomes. But what is it? what is the desired outcome? Is it to graduate high school? And I'm on board. Yeah. Like. We want every single kid to graduate from high school, from our school, like no exceptions. Like I'm on board with that. Like what if they said we want every kid to have the opportunity to go to college, whether they choose to do so or not. But what if the outcome is that, that every single student at our school has the opportunity to go to a four-year college out of high school because of their academic performance? I'm on board with that. That, in my opinion, is where this is mis- this this new strategy is misguided. To me, all you have to do is change one O word for another. Yeah. Instead of saying equal outcomes for every student without exception, I say equal opportunity mm-hmm. for every student without exception. I think if you change <coughs> from where I yeah. sit, if you change those two words, yeah. now you're not reliant on results as yes. much as you are on systems, as yes. much as you are on Here's what we can control, which is we're yeah. going to give you every opportunity to succeed. Yeah. What you do with it after that, that's up to you. That's right. So, yes, equity from the perspective of everybody has an opportunity here. And, again, this is just my opinion. This is where I come from yeah. after thinking through all this. We're going to give everybody the same opportunity. Yeah. Now, what you do with it, that's ultimately up to you. To me, that's life. That, that's that's that real is, life. That is when I graduate high school and I've got to now provide for either myself and my family. Yeah. All I can ask for in that scenario is an opportunity. Yeah. And then what I do with that opportunity is up to me. Yeah. I can't ask for, yeah. but, but unfortunately we are getting to a place where we are asking for equal outcomes That's the, to make exactly. up for years. And again, I get where it's come. I really do because we've had so long in human history of unequal opportunity yeah. that now I get it because we talked about this a few weeks ago. The pendulum always swings one way. It does, yeah. We can never just go down the fairway. We have to overcreate. Correct. So what they're trying to do, it sounds like, is overcorrect in the in yeah. the uh, in the aspect of we want to make sure that every student leaves here with the exact same outcome. And to yeah. me, that's a little misguided. Yeah. And and again, equal outcome. It, it 
if now I'm going back to my gut reaction feelings on all this, to your point, like outcome versus opportunity, like you don't want everyone to have the same outcome. Like you don't want somebody given. And like you said, if we're in a, we're at a place in our culture where now we're, we're tricked into thinking that like, I deserve that same outcome as this dude over here. Who's been working at it his entire life and has sacrificed a lot of things to get to there. And, and he's an expert in that. Do you want a surgeon just because he's like, I deserve to be a surgeon. Mm. Like, I'm not going to put in the work. I'm not going to, you know, I got a, I got a, uh, not turned in grade. I didn't turn anything in, but you can't fail me. Yeah. Cause I showed up to class. Yeah. If you're up and ready on my brain. Yeah. I would hope that you, you are the best of the <laughs> yeah, best. Exactly. I, like, I care less about anything else. That's exactly right. Like I want like a pilot flying our plane, flying our planes. Do you want just some, somebody that I deserve to be a pilot because mm. he's a pilot. So I should be a pilot too. Like, do we want those people handling this massive machine in bad weather or bad circumstances? No. Mm -hmm. So, so we're, we're tricking, we're tricking our kids into thinking that they are owed something as opposed to, Hey, as, as parents, as teachers, as coaches, as mentors, we want to help you grow and learn so that when the opportunity arises, then you can choose to take advantage of it or not. Yep. Now it's up to you, but the outcomes are not given to you by a high school. The outcomes are not given to you by your parents. Or the daddy outcomes, government. Yeah, or the government. The outcomes are based solely on your decision on the time, effort, and passion you want to put into it. It's mm -hmm. up to you. Yep. That's real life. But saying that it's going to be the same outcomes. Like I said, look, if, if their goal is everybody graduates high school, like we are committed to every single person in our school, in our high school, graduating high school, I'm on board with that. That's that's an outcome we can all get yeah, behind. Yeah. I'm good with that. Now, if they've earned it, right? Like with that saying, it doesn't go into the expectations from the kids as well, right? It doesn't talk about like, hey, outcomes, no exceptions. So if you ditch class and you don't show up or you don't you don't pass the test or you don't turn in your homework or you don't write that paper, you still get to graduate because everybody gets. Mm -hmm. Everybody gets a high school degree. No, that's not, that's not, I'm, I can't get on board and I can't back that up. Yeah. To me, it ties in again to, to discussions we've had, which is it. And I just totally blanked on what I was going to say. That's right. That's right. I, you <laughs> know, all the time. and again, I, I do, I do feel because I do think that having, having that withheld, um, the information, the accolades, the notoriety, the achievements that some of these students pursued and achieved and withholding that from them, I think that's a huge disservice. And I think that there has to be consequences to that. Um, not even knowing the whole story, but um, it's not, it's not your job as a principal to decide a kid's future. Yeah. You can contribute to it. Mm -hmm. You can't be a detriment to it because that's not the job title is, but you can, let's just say the scenario is, all right, a bunch of these award winners are are discouraging and talking down to and their problems. Okay, well then, 
figure out a way to deliver it in a way to the parents and the kids that is discreet, is subtle, is low key. We're not, we're, you know, we decided not to do a big awards banquet because we don't want to spend funds on celebrating these because, you know, whatever, like I still don't agree with it, but look, fine. But to then withhold it from them, that to me, that, that should be a punishable. Yeah punishable crime yeah I, i'm actually with you like we don't have to make this like they cured cancer no this award it's i mean fifty thousand kids get the award it's not like it's some crazy so you don't have to <laughs> create a youtube channel for yeah. it and make some big deal like bigger right. deal than it is but at the same time you don't want to withhold that either yeah so and and that it, to I level what playing I was field again yeah. now all you're doing with these kids now is you're holding back the potential that they could have reached yeah. Like, are you good laying your head down and saying, hey, this kid could have maybe gotten into Harvard or he could have gotten into Stanford or he could have gotten into Princeton or Yale or USC or whatever, Fresno State. If that was the deciding factor and you withheld that, now how much potential are you limiting from yeah. them? I, I do remember what I was going to say. It, it goes back to what we talked about, which is you're not doing any favors mm -hmm. to these kids by protecting them because they didn't achieve something. Yeah. You think in the short term you're you're making the kid feel better. Yeah. You think that's helping. And maybe it is short term. Maybe in the in that short window that you have them under your care, you are helping them yeah. because you're helping them feel better about themselves. But fast forward four, five, six, seven years from now when they've got two kids at home and they're trying to provide for them, no boss is gonna sit there and say, Well, you tried real hard, so here you go. Yeah. It's yeah, a you didn't finish life that is about you performance. Didn't finish that that project. So Here's another one, here's and here's a bonus, right. and here's it. Like, no. It's just not how it's going to work. They're no. going to get their ass fired, and they're going to have to go look for the next thing. So I would rather my kid learn that at 16, 15, 14. Eight. Eight. I would rather them learn that now yeah. when the stakes are a little bit lower than when they're 22, 23, yeah. and they're out in the real world, and nobody yeah. gives a shit about them. Because guess what? Maybe there's – look, and, and I'll use my son as an example. Last year he got – uh, every month they give an award to like five students in the entire district. Uh, it's the superintendent's award. Like <laughs> we got this letter and I feel really bad. We got this letter and it was like, Mr. And Mrs. Klutz, um, you know, your child has been selected as an award winner this month at, to receive the superintendent's award for his exemplary da, 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 da. And then literally we're both reading this and we're like, Oh, Giada, like, yeah, this is awesome. Like, dude, I, I mean, not surprised, but yeah. like, that's cool that they recognized her. And then we get down, and it's like, you know, we're so proud of Luca and da da da. And we're like, wait, wait, what? And because, and w withholding these things and withholding these recognition, Luca was someone that needed that. Yeah. Because, you know, he maybe struggled in some areas and his parents, we could have done a better job like building him up. But like, that was a game changer for him because now he's like, I can do this. I am I am succeeding. I am getting these things. So how many of these kids that tried their tails off to get the National Merit Scholar and didn't got it, didn't know it, and now they just their self-confidence is even more deflated, is reinforced that they didn't get it and they aren't good enough. Mm -hmm. But like now that you you are celebrated for doing the things as hard as it has been for you, and then you get an award for it, like he completely changed his trajectory in school. Completely different person. And it was it was that turning moment and that award and that recognition that gave him the confidence that, like, oh, I can do this. Like, hey, maybe the things that my parents were saying is true, mm -hmm. that I can accomplish whatever I want to if I put the work in. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just – there's a lot going on in that story. We don't know the whole deal, but 
man, I that I feel for those kids. Yeah, I mean, and again, if you've listened to us for any amount of time, you know our opinion on on this, and and I guess ultimately, that's in Virginia. We're in Texas. I would say most of the schools that we're going to interact with don't have this type of mentality. The problem is, it's gonna it's gonna catch up to us yep. eventually. Yep. These the, this type of mentality is going to it's already yeah. catching up. To it us. already it's, is. Already, it's already showing. I mean, up. look at look at our education already mm-hmm. compared to the rest of the world, right? Yeah. Like our standards are too low. Which good tease you didn't even know that this is going to be your next week's conversation. Okay, good tease. <laughs> Check it out next week. So yeah. Anyway, so uh, okay, yeah. So I thought those those two articles they you know current events, but very uh, in line with a lot of things we've talked about. So um, as Tyler teased, didn't even know he was going to tease, next week we're going to dive into our series, Is America the Greatest Country in the World? And we're going to go through all the different ways that you would measure uh, success as a nation, and we're going to start with education. You know what? Um, you know what? I, what I can say is these chairs are the greatest chairs in the world. Yeah, if you're watching on YouTube, we, we upgraded our we upgraded our set a little bit. We're a little more comfortable. I'm, I'm yes. sitting on a nice uh, nice little love seat. Ties this, in a nice, comfortable chair. This is the yeah. first episode in at least the last 150 that my back is not sweaty. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah, we're much more comfortable on set today. So we're gonna do one where I'm gonna be laying down. You're gonna sit here and you're gonna counsel me. <laughs> you're gonna tell me about your problems. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna counsel me as if that's new from anything that we normally do. So, anyways, guys, hope you uh, hopefully you enjoyed the discussion today. Uh, tune in next week, like I said, uh, to hear more about education. Yeah, and uh, our new series that we're excited about is America, the greatest country in the world. Uh, America, you guys are coming through this month. Um, I don't want to jinx it, but we are having potentially our greatest month in the history of our podcast, and I can't think of any other reason mm-hmm. other than that you guys are sharing the podcast and, yes. with, with people in your family or with uh, that you're close with. If so we keep at this pace. In two weeks, we'll have one billion <laughs> downloads. <laughs> no, but seriously, it's fun that 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 it's progressing, and again, it has nothing to do with us. It has to do with you guys and sharing the podcast. Uh, listen along, follow along. We appreciate that support so much. It gives that inspiration to keep coming back. And now we would do this whether nobody was listening or whether, you know, because again, it's good for us. But um, it, it sure is fun to know that, that so many of you guys are getting enough out of this that you're willing to share it. So we appreciate y'all yeah, doing appreciate that. appreciate y'all. Um, follow us on Instagram at one.shot.pod. Follow us on YouTube uh, so you can see our smiling faces as we have these conversations. But uh, any closing thoughts? Any uh, nah, man, those are extra? like two two really important pivotal conversations. Um, you know, one being heavier than the other, but like neither neither more or less important yeah. than the other. Both have ramifications for our future. Yep, major. Um, and so we need to keep having these discussions. So, yep. anyway, appreciate you guys. Hope you have a great rest of the week. Hopefully, the Cowboys have won, and we're all celebrating right now, uh, and and looking forward to their next victory. Um, but yeah, have a great rest of the weekend or a great rest of the week. Sorry. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week.